Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know Employee Cycle. We're here to help all of you HR and people leaders out there get rid of the tiring, manual, time-consuming, tedious process you call HR reporting. That's right. We know when you want to understand metrics and data and insights across your workforce, you typically are logging into a lot of different HR systems. You might have to log into your HRIS, ATS, engagement, performance, and that's just scratching the surface. Well, look no further. That's why we created our one and only people dashboard that has pre-built connections to all the most popular HR systems out there. Systems like Bamboo HR, Namely, Zenefits, Trinet, Velocity, ADP, 15.5, Reflective, Greenhouse, Lever. You name it. Too many for me to count without running out of breath. We connect to all your different HR systems to pull in all your different types of data into one place so that you can view, track, share, and analyze all your people data together. Go to EmployeeCycle.com to check us out to get a demo. We'd love to chat with you to learn how we can help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. But that's enough about me and our company, because today we have a great guest. So please help me welcome Russell Lobsons, SVP of People at Secure. And today we're going to discuss how to prevent burnout during remote work. Russell, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Russell, welcome! Wow, thanks for that warm welcome. It's great to be here. Of course. So, Russell, we're going to kick this thing off right by asking you... How did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Ah, it's a great question. So I've been in this space for close to 20 years now. My background is in industrial organizational psychology. Uh, My first few jobs out of my doctoral program were spent doing kind of hardcore employee assessment for the likes of uh, organizations like the FBI and Homeland Security. Uh, And I started to kind of evolve into more of a generalist, which kind of led me through you know, various roles in consulting and internal, you know, talent management and OD roles, kind of culminating to where I've been the last few, you know, five years or so being like heads of, head of people. Got it. So, Russell, today we're discussing how to prevent burnout during remote work. So to level set and to make sure we're talking about the same thing, what does burnout mean? I mean, it's something that a lot of people are talking about. We're having all these conversations about mindfulness, meditation, self-care. But when you think about burnout, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I think it's a great question. And I, I'm not sure I can speak to the actual clinical definition of burnout. But to me, it's kind of a state of mental exhaustion, which and it could be physical, it could be emotional, uh, but it's, it's, it's a state of kind of prolonged exhaustion which is probably caused by stress, being overwhelmed, your battery being, you know, in need of a recharge. Uh, but it's it's kind of, a, yeah, it crosses emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion. Got it. So clearly, there's a lot of that going on during the pandemic and remote work and a lot of things that people are still trying to figure out. We have so many questions about what happened, what's going to happen moving forward. And the question that I always have to ask myself is, how much of this is on the individual employee to help figure out 
and support themselves with versus the employer. And so I'm curious, how do you view the company's responsibility to help employees deal with burnout versus how the employee needs to help themselves? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Bruce. I, I mean, I think it, it's both. Um, I think employers certainly bear some responsibility here to, you know, monitor and, you know, maintain like regular lines of communication with their team members to know how each individual is doing, um, kind of what their state of mind is. And and that really often falls upon the part of the individual's manager. I mean, that's usually who has the most regular touch points with a team member um, just to monitor how that person's doing. And it can be as simple as starting you know, a day or a one-on-one with, hey, how are you feeling today? You know, what's going on? What's causing you stress? You know, what's going well? What's, you know, what's been the best day, you know, at work this week? You know, just to surface anything that may be getting in the way of the person's performance, happiness, and just kind of mental state. That said, I think there's also responsibility on the part of the individual to surface concerns, um, which I, I know that's not always easy to do for somebody, like particularly, in our current state, um, you know, people are martyrs, you know, oftentimes that they don't want to be a squeaky wheel. And if they're feeling something, they're not sure if others are feeling it. And, you know, I think sometimes just giving people permission to raise a concern is the way to surface it. Interesting. So as we're thinking about remote work and burnout, what do you think is the biggest difference of helping employees with burnout being in office versus being remote? Well, I mean, I think not being able to see people face to face, you know, you miss some of those, you know, nonverbal cues, you know, whether it's on Zoom or, you know, if you're not, if your video is off, like you can't see, you know, the person. Um, and there's a lot of nonverbal cues that you're not going to pick up on versus when you're in an office, you know, and you spend time in the kitchen or over a coffee or going for a walk uh, where you can get a sense of like how that person is feeling just through your conversation a lot. Some of that tone, some of that, those behavioral cues, I think are lost over a digital medium. Got it. So in regards to the status of your workforce, it seems like you might be thinking about how to manage burnout for your remote workforce, but are you fully remote? Are you doing a hybrid? What does that look like? Yeah, so we've been fully remote since March of 2020, like many companies. Um, we have, you know, we've tried to keep a finger on the pulse of how our team is doing. We do regular surveys where we have over the past year to get a sense of like what challenges people are facing, whether it's personal, technology, collaboration, like what, what may be getting in their way. I think by and large, we're, we're hearing pretty positive feedback about the support that the company has provided. Um, but we also know that some individuals, everyone's unique. Everyone's got a unique set of challenges. And we're trying to help people with those. Um, and we have like, you know, people on my team are in regular contact with the client groups within SoCare that they support um, to be able to provide, you know, that very unique customized support to the individual challenges people are facing. And when you're thinking about these individual challenges, how are you going about creating solutions that can help everyone, but can also help individuals based on their very specific needs? And this may need to go into how many employees you have as well to provide some context. Yeah, it's a great question. I think through the surveys that we've run, we've certainly seen some consistent themes uh, that span you know, our geographies that we operate in, role, function, level. Um, and we've tried to attack those with kind of a unified solution. And I'll give you one example. 
you know, we know that not everyone, when we shifted to a fully remote workforce, we did, we knew not everyone had, you know, the ideal remote office set up. In many cases, you know, we operate in, you know, a lot of our team members, you know, reside in large cities and maybe in a small apartment, sharing that space with a partner, a significant other, a roommate. And we wanted to make sure that people at least had some resources to carve out, you know, space uh, for them to be effective working from home. So we gave everyone a, a work from home stipend, uh, which they could use pretty much in any way they saw fit to make sure that they could, they, they had a comfortable workspace at home. They had the tools and technologies they needed to be effective. But we also like didn't place restrictions on them. If they needed to use some of that for childcare or daycare or something else to make their remote work easier, we supported that. So that, that was kind of on the, the global scale. But then individually, uh, you know, as I said, like each person had, you know, maybe some unique challenges and we really tried to problem solve collabor- collaboratively with them to figure out how we could best support them as a company. Got it. As you were talking about people using their stipend for childcare, it made me think about what the new workday looks like for a lot of employees with children and how your day may start a lot earlier, but now it also ends a lot later as well. So as you were thinking about helping employees navigate through this new home life and work life with children being home, how do you help them figure out the hours they should be working or how much time they need to put in per day, especially if there are other competing priorities that they now need to manage, which didn't exist before? Yeah. The the one thing that I love about SoCure and, and one of the reasons um, that I think we're so attractive, you know, to candidates and, and why our team you know, um, you know, it stays with us is because we we offer a lot of flexibility in terms of how people work. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like we are a fast growing company. We have a lot of very ambitious goals and we work hard. There's no question about it. But we also don't measure people based on the time they spend, you know, with the, the old expression, butts in seats. We measure people on results and contributions and we kind of leave it up to them to figure out how to how to how to do their job um, and when. So if like again, I'll give you an example. Like if someone needs to you know be home you know with or be off off uh, their computer for a couple hours in the morning because one of their children is home, you know, remote learning. Um, that's fine. We don't, we're not going to tell people these are your working hours. Um, but kind of the the unstated expectation is you know, they'll find a way to make up the time to get their job done. Um, and if they can figure out how to do their job in, you know, fewer hours, more power to them. Um, so that that's kind of how we handle it, just providing as much flexibility as we can to people. And what about on the flip side, where you may have individuals that, you know, they may have a partner or roommates with no children, or they may be living by themselves. And so what we're finding is that a lot of employees are filling the time with work because they just don't have anything else to do, or that just seems to be the most productive thing that they can fill their time with. But now they're working way more hours than they used to, and it's probably not sustainable. But with the pandemic, and depending on where you are, not feeling safe to go outside, or just wanting to stay in until there's a vaccine, or whatever your you know beliefs are around when it's okay to go back outside, people are just filling their time with work. And so how do you deal with that? Because obviously you want the productivity gains for sure, but 
those productivity gains could be short-lived if somebody's burned out and now they're lacking for the next three to six months and then you lose all those gains plus. So how do you deal with that? Yeah, I mean, that's a very real concern and something that we have a heightened awareness to. Um, and, and we know that there are people who, you know, are living by themselves, um, may not have family nearby, may not be comfortable venturing out for all the reasons you said. You know, the way we and, and I don't have I, I don't have a great answer, honestly. And But the way we've tried to uh, attack that problem is to just maintain really open lines of communication and frequent communication with those individuals just to make sure that they feel like they have a support network. Um, you know, if they, whether they have it, even if they have it with their family, you know, to make sure they have a, a support network within SoCure to better understand like, Hey, what are your specific challenges? What, what's missing? Um, how can, how can we help you? And, you know, through that, I think we've learned about different ways to support individuals who would fall into that category. And yeah, I mean, obviously, like we, like many companies are seeing increased productivity because people no longer have to spend time commuting. There's less of, you know, there's less of some of the downtime that distractions that you might have in an office environment. But we also don't want to to have that happen at the expense of people's well-being. And that is definitely something we are paying attention to. Uh, we make sure that people take time off. Uh, we have a what we call an unlimited you know, time off policy, and we really try to encourage people to use it. Um, we've given company days off over the past year because we know people are working at a fast clip. Um, so those are some things that we've tried. Interesting. And so when it comes to management, there's been a lot of conversation on the on the internet, as I like to call it, where people have been really looking at managers to know if they're really equipped to manage individual contributors or whoever's on their team remotely. A lot of people will say that most managers aren't as great as they should be. And so now when you throw in this remote twist, it doesn't make them nowhere near as good as they should be in regards to really managing and helping their employees feel like they're supported and ultimately helping them thrive. So how are you making sure that one, your managers are prepared to manage and support your employees doing remote work, but then two, they don't fall into the trap of not feeling that their team is doing the work because they can't see them doing the work, which too many managers are attached to that. If I see you working, you're working, but if I don't, then it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, great questions. I mean, no doubt there are new demands placed on leaders. Um, you know, it's no surprise that the, the COVID and, and other events that have happened over the past year are having a deep impact on, you know, leaders and leadership development. I would say that, like, I think our leaders and I, I suspect like other companies are no different. Like we're being, we're calling on them to do a lot more um, than they have in the past. They need to be masters of emotional intelligence. They need to be expert coaches. They need to be engaging motivators. They need to be empathetic, you know, friends um, to their team to, to make sure that, you know, our team members are still seeing purpose in their work. Um, they're seeing paths for growth. They're seeing that they have the support of their manager and their company all the while by, you know, while delivering results. Um, and we also know that leaders are having to do all these things while facing a very uncertain future. 
So all that, with that as the backdrop, you know, one of the things that we're doing is we're actually getting ready to roll out, you know, a leadership development program uh, to provide support, particularly for those first, you know, first level managers, first time managers, um, because that is such an important transition. You know, even even without a pandemic and a remote work, you know, environment, like if you don't make that transition from individual contributor to first time manager, well, it tends to have a multiplier effect as you go up, up the leadership pipeline and. Any bad habits you may develop just get magnified, you know, as you move into more senior leader roles. So we really are targeting, you know, the first time manager and help and, and ways to help them be successful. In terms of your your second question, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like at least at Secure, like we're focused on results and contribution. Like it's never been about you know time worked or you know being in the office, being out of the office. Even before the pandemic, we had a very highly distributed workforce. So it, it's it's never been like if I don't if I can't see you then I'm not sure that you're actually working um, because we always we only measure people on by their results. Um, it's a very meritocratic environment. I appreciate all of this. This is really interesting. And then the last question that I want to ask to end the interview is more of a a personal question to you. I like to ask these types of questions to HR leaders because our audience is made up of your peers and. We know that there's strength in community. So when it comes to burnout for you in your role, how do you manage that? Because you're like a doctor where doctors have to take care of everybody, but then they also have to go to the doctor themselves. And you're in a role where you're trying to help support your entire team, make sure that from a mental, physical, emotional, maybe even spiritual, all the different ways that they need to be supported and have tools and resources to move forward, that they have it. But oftentimes, there might not be anybody to actually help HR do that as well, because you can get so caught up in helping everyone else. So how do you make sure that you're not burnt out by helping everyone else? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. I, You know, I, I would liken it to like when you're flying, you know, the when you fly in an airplane, airplane, the first thing the captain or the flight attendant instructs you to do is put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others. Um, and the same is true in, in organizations for HR leaders. Like we have to take care of ourselves too, or else we're no good to anybody else. So for me personally, um, the way I do it is, you know, I try to exercise as much as I, as I can. For me, that's where I kind of am able to relieve stress. Like it could be as simple too as just going out for a walk with my dog, you know, in the early morning or end of day, uh, taking 10 minutes to, you know, sit down and have lunch. So it, it's very personal. But for me, those are the things that I do to recharge my battery. Because again, like even pre pandemic and post pandemic, like we're in a very fast growing company. There's a lot of demands. It's a very exciting time to be here. But, you know, I can't be good to anybody if I'm not good to myself. Russell, as I've always been told, self-care is the best care. So glad to see that you're on top of that. But thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest on this interview and for you being so authentic and candid around what you're working through, what you've already thought about, but then things that you don't have the answers to. It's really helpful to our audience because once you share and you can show some of the areas where you're still thinking about, it allows others to feel better about where they are, but then also gain insight to figure out where they can go. And so really appreciate it. And also just talking about burnout, 
because it can become very unhealthy from a mental and physical standpoint, we all need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves. So thanks again for being such an awesome guest. Thanks for having me, Bruce. It's been a pleasure. Sure. So where can people find you and SoCore online? Uh, so secure www.socure.com. Um, and we're hiring. So please check out our careers page. We're looking for great people. Uh, we'd love to talk with you. Awesome. And we'll be sure to put all that contact info in the show notes. So everyone listening out there, if you enjoyed this interview as much as Russell and I did making it, please leave us a, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, If this is your very first time listening to our podcast series and you came here because you're either already a huge super fan of Russell and you just had to hear what he was going to talk about or you thought that this topic was compelling, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.